This morning, um, I'm sharing with you on what I'm calling the perfect storm. The perfect storm. Several, maybe six weeks ago, I woke up one morning and was reminded of what happened to the Apostle Paul. Three different times he was shipwrecked. When you get to the story in the end of Acts, this is the fourth time he was shipwrecked. And he knew something about adversity, knew something about trouble. On November 1st, 1991, a powerful hurricane merged with what scientists call a cyclone. It ravaged the coast off Nova Scotia, Canada, and lashed the entire east coast of America before it died, died down. Over $200 million of damage was caused, several hundred homes were completely destroyed. One of the buoy markers off the coast of Nova Scotia recorded a wave height of 100.7 feet, the highest wave ever recorded in that area. The ship Andrea Gale was a commercial sailing vessel, commercial fishing vessel, that had been out successfully fishing and it was finishing up their journey and it was on his way back. They decided to come back instead of staying out at sea even though they knew a storm was coming. They had come from Massachusetts and were headed back to that port. In the middle of the storm, which they called the biggest storm ever witnessed there off the East Coast, this boat sank killing the entire crew of six and inspiring the movie, The Perfect Storm. Can you imagine what it must have been like to be on a storm like that on that kind of a ship? The Bible is clear that we will go through storms, maybe not a storm like that where there was winds up to 90 miles an hour. They sent up an Air National helicopter that was dispatched to try and save those that were in distress, and it went down in addition. Storms are inevitable in our lives. No one is exempt from experiencing great challenges in life. Storms may come in the form of a diagnosis, may come in the form of depression, may come in the form of a financial dilemma, that you've never experienced before, and make it, it seems, maybe hopeless. The storm can come sometimes in a relational misunderstanding that makes you feel trapped on board that ship that you may be in. Totally confined to the circumstances that you face, many live with battles like this today. I was speaking yesterday with a renowned family counselor from another state, and he told me a startling statistic. He said that more have died from suicide during this pandemic than have died from the virus itself. More have died from suicide. Talking about the tremendous pressure that kids are feeling, being sequestered in their homes, away from their family and friends, and even parents. 
No state is exempt, no nation is exempt, no community is away from being hit with the storms of life. The perfect storm came to Paul the Apostle. He was commanded to appeal his death sentence all the way to Caesar. Caesar's, of course, throne was in Rome, Italy, and Julius, a Roman centurion, was dispatched to escort this top criminal, if you will, to get him to Rome. A large ship was hired, and there was 275 people on board in addition to Paul in their journey to Rome. It was this time of the year, October, when that ship set sail. In those days, nobody would sail that time of the year because the storms, the prevailing wind, and so forth were suspect to causing anyone great distress. Everyone knew it was a terrible time to try and make the venture, but the urgency of getting Paul to Caesar forced the decision, and the captain and the owner of the ship decided, let's do it now. Based upon the story that is written in the book of Acts regarding Paul, I want to focus on several important issues. First of all, as I stated, we'll all have storms. Many of you may be facing a storm today. But here's what we know about storms. They will, first of all, test us. Storms will test you. So the ship set sail out, out of south of Cyprus and experienced what would be called contrary winds that made progress virtually impossible with such a heavy cargo that they were, that they were carrying. Acts 27 verse 4, from there we put out to sea again and passed to the lee or the leeward side of Cyprus because the winds were against us. Landing in Lycia, which if you study it, you find that Lycia was a very small port and not fit for wintering. There was no uh, appropriate accommodations for that many people and so forth. This is modern-day Turkey. From there, they decided to board a larger ship with plans to sail to Rome. In that moment, Paul the Apostle received a word from God. And it was this, in verse 10 of Acts 27. Men... I see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to the ship and its cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. The crowd that day did not listen to Paul's warning, and so the ship sailed anyway. Reference point, the crowds are usually not right. Ferocious storm came and began to buffet that ship and to confront its progress. In Acts 27 verse 14, before very long, the wind of hurricane force called a nor'easter swept down from the island and the ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and we're driven along. Anyone who knows anything about running a boat knows you want to go into the wind, you want to head into it. These people had completely lost their ability to do that, and they began to bob like a cork in the sea. 
Yes, storms will test us. Here's what we know about storms. A storm will reveal what's in us. A storm will reveal what's in you and me. When difficult times come, watch what happens next, how the people respond, and you can tell that a storm will reveal what's in you. Choices make us. The choices we make, make us. But a crisis reveals what's in us. So we want to learn to be bigger on the inside, because storms are going to come, and without a storm, you'll never have a rainbow. I love rainbows. Every time I see a rainbow, I'm excited because it's a promise from God. And we take it very personal when we see a rainbow that God is saying, I'm with you. I'm keeping my word. I'm still here. I'm going to see you through. Storms will also cause midnight of the soul. It will cause things to happen inside that are, make you wonder seems dark. Why don't I have clarity? Uncertainty is in the air today all across our world. People in every country are experiencing great storms. Even so, you and I can be very clear about hope, courage, and character. We are alive in the midst of a great dysfunctional culture. Wrong is declared right. Right is declared wrong. Things that you just say, what? What are people thinking about? Storms, in addition, will seek captivity of your hope. Storms will want to steal your hopes. So in the storm, the men began to jettison all the cargo that they could. Anything they didn't need, they began to throw it overboard. They threw, they threw furniture overboard. They threw the cargo overboard. All of the non-essentials were jettisoned that day. Still the storm raged on. The men were violently tossed about on that ship. You can imagine the kind of seasick conditions that were there. Would it help if I started going like this? Acts 27, verse 20. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging, notice how dark it got, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. I don't know if you've ever been in a moment like that, but I want to talk with you about what to do next if you are. Because in those moments, God always wants to show you his hand. The sun did not shine for many days. The men had not eaten, as we'll find out a little later, for many days. Seemingly all hope was gone. Many are frustrated in our culture, in our day. Someone said to me the other day, they're tired of yelling at their TV set. Why would you yell at your TV set? Americans are emotionally weary about sin and corruption in our country. We're tired. 
We have a longing for home. Panic sets in the hearts of disappointed people. I remember, for instance, November 2nd, 2004, the voters in this great state approved 57 to 43% ballot number 36, a constitutional amendment that defined marriage in Oregon in a biblical manner that it was to be between a man and a woman. People screamed, howled, many people cheered. Our Attorney General Ellen Rosenblum, in short order, canceled the will of the people and invalidated the motion that the people had voted on. True. Storms will test us all. But may I say, secondly, that storms will require preparation. In the midst of whatever you may be going through today, in the midst of your storm, listen for God's voice. Listen. He is ever speaking. He is not silent. This is what happened then. God spoke to Paul in the middle of this terrific pandemonium. And I just want to tell you, he will always come through when things look their worst. He will lead you by his voice. He'll say, you, the scripture says, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. He will be with you in the storm. I want to just remind you that Jesus has not changed. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Hebrews 13.8. Say it with me. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So listen for his voice. So Paul speaks above the wind as only a preacher could do in that gravelly voice. Acts 27.21. After they'd gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men! You should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. How many men have ever driven and said, Honey, I know, where they, I know where we're going. We don't need directions. I know the way. Honey, I wish you had listened to me. I'm not going to ask you for a show of hands, but probably. I feel bad about this course of action. I feel bad about it. Well, anyway. Man, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. And then you could have spared yourself this damage and loss. Now listen to his words, verse 22. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. But the ship is going to be destroyed. Think about that. The ship you're in right now is going to be destroyed, but you are going to live. Not one of you is going to die. Why? Common sense does not equate to that conclusion. If the ship is blown up, they're going to die. And they explained what he meant. Verse 23. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. The God I serve. If you're a student of the Greek, you know what that word serve means. It means to worship. 
the God that I worship and the God who I've given my life to sent an angel and stood next to me, and this is what he said. The God to whom I belong and to whom I serve, let me just remind you, men, he purchased me. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. You and I may disagree on a lot of stuff. We may disagree about all kinds of social issues today. But I can tell you one thing we should agree on, and that is that we've been bought with a price. <laughs> we, we belong to the King of glory. He paid a price for our deliverance. And we are of the same blood type because Jesus' blood is flowing in our veins. Somebody give him glory this morning. Now, how could he say the God whose I am and whom I serve? He was making reference to that beautiful scripture in 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you not know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And who, who, is it, who is in you whom you have received from God? You were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. That's the reference point. So therefore, Paul said, he's going to rescue me. And because he loves me, you guys are coming in on my coattails because he's a big God. The one I worship, the one I serve, is going to rescue all of us. Can you imagine what a, a good word of consolation that must have been? Learn to listen for God's voice. Here's another thing to do in a storm. Learn daily to walk with him. You know, we can't do anything but love people today because of the love of God is in our hearts. We love people of every persuasion, of every vantage point. The love of God abounds in us towards everyone. That is how we live. So prepare your heart to walk with God and live for him. Refuse to panic. May I remind you? The Spanish flu in 1918 killed one million people per week. 500 million people in the world were infected. That's one-third of the population of the world in 1918. 50 million died worldwide. So I'm just here to remind you, worse things than COVID have happened. God will be with you in famine or in plenty. God has promised to be with you from cradle to the grave. There is a mighty God who's with you. God will come to you in the middle of your trouble and offer you hope. Three things that I want to mention that God said to Paul that changed the tide that day. Acts 27, verse 24. Do not be afraid, Paul. Even the great man of God was afraid. The angel called him out and said, stop it. You are going to stand trial before Caesar, and God has given you the lives of all those who sail with you. So keep up your courage. For I have faith in God, and it's going to happen just as he told me. Notice the three things. Fear not. 
You're going to come through on your journey to Rome. You're going to get there. And I'm going to save everyone on this ship because of you. Your faith in me, Paul, is going to save every man, all 275 of them. Many of them were jailbirds. How can you be a good cheer in the middle of a storm? Because, like Paul, we have learned to believe what God says. It, he, Paul, says it's going to be exactly as God has told me. Wow. Isn't it remarkable that in the middle of a storm like that, winds howling in a cyclone, God knew where the man of God was. Do you think he knows where you are today? Do you think he knows what you're experiencing today? It's God's will to deposit desire and dedication in you, which leads to deliverance. And finally this morning, in your storm, visualize God's deliverance. Visualize God's deliverance. Picture it inside of you in the middle of a howling storm. I love the story that's told of World War II. Parachutes were being made 24 hours a day. It was tedious work. The women worked 8 to 10 hours every day. Look at those precious ladies building those parachutes. At the start of each shift, the workers paused and were told the same thing every shift. This is what they were told. Every stitch is part of a life-saving mission. Think of your husband, your brother, your son. This shoot is going to save them as they land in enemy territory. In other words, don't take shortcuts. Yes, I need daily to visualize God's hand of intervention, as you do. What do you see today in the middle of whatever kind of storm you may be experiencing? God's vision will always consist of four things. God's vision will always consist of at least four things. First of all, the ability to see. I want to see what he sees. He told Cornelius, there's a man coming to your house who you think is terrorist number one. But that man is a chosen tool for me. So receive him. And when you put your hands upon him, he's going to be healed and he's going to receive the Holy Ghost. I want to see what God sees in the middle of every storm. God's vision will also consist of the faith to believe. I must come to the place where I believe exactly what he says in the circumstances every time, every new circumstance, every new battle that we face. And in addition, a third component to God's vision will be the courage to do. God wants you and me to be people of courage. 
We're going to get through this. God is with us. I've had no less than five or six of you ask me this morning, what's going to happen on November the 3rd? I don't know. But I just want to tell you, whatever happens, we have courage about tomorrow. And we are going to learn to walk in this world until Jesus calls us home with the right spirit, with the right attitude, and we will walk because God's called us to be his disciples that represent him in a lost and dying world. And God's vision will always consist of this fourth thing, which is the hope to endure. Hope to endure. In the Bible, I looked it up this morning. We're commanded more than 20 times by God to be courageous. Instead of going, I don't know what we're going to do. This is crazy. We're called to be courageous. The life that trusts God is the only life worth living. The end of the story in Acts 27, is that God did exactly what he said. The ship crashed off the island of Malta. It was completely destroyed, battered to pieces. Every man on that ship lived, just like God had told them. Today, remember, you are not alone. He sees you. He has a word for you. And in the storms of life, let's learn to live in response to his voice. The one who is with us will not fail you or forsake you. Are you thankful for that this morning? Can we stand together in the presence of the Lord? Lord, all over this place we are filled with gratitude. because you are with us. And I know that I'm speaking to many who are going through incredible storms. Maybe there's a storm of a diagnosis. Maybe there's a storm of depression. Maybe there's some kind of a dilemma that's going on that is shaking and blowing and making us feel there's no hope. All of those things are not bigger than your voice and your hand of intervention. Today we welcome, we welcome your hand, Lord. We're listening for your promise. We thank you that what you said to Paul is a word of comfort for all of us today. Shut up. While our heads are bowed, how many of you would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? We're in the middle of a storm this morning. We're trusting God to help us anywhere in this place. Thank you for so many hands. Thank you, Lord, for people who are simply trusting you in the middle of this. Speak, I pray, that promise from your word. I thank you for touching our people, your people, Lord God, with your healing hand. And for anyone who's away from you this morning, 
As those men looked at the Apostle Paul after they landed on Malta, the door was open for ministry because they knew he was the man who had been responsible for their redemption. Thank you, Lord, that you are the one who still delivers people. You are a mighty God, and we welcome you. So for anyone who's away today from the Lord, simply say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. Have mercy on me. Cleanse me of my sin. Come into my heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.